0: Shut up, and sit down. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Business Boost. Yep, I still like it when we I still think it's cool. It's always fun. Always fun. All right, so today's topic is marriage and money. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. money. It doesn't go like that, but... You get what I'm saying. Yeah. It's not always the uh, funnest thing Love to be talking and about. Love marriage and money. Love, marriage, and money. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's a sensitive topic because it's not always the easiest topic to be talking about with your spouse, right? It's usually a problem when your finances are a problem.
1: Right, right. When, when you have the not enough money problem.
0: Right, it tends to stir up a marriage pretty well. Yeah, definitely. Versus... versus If you had the too much money problem, that could be different. I just haven't quite experienced that side of it. Not yet. Not yet. yet. But But I mean,
1: if it is a sensitive subject to discuss with your spouse, I mean, that's a hurdle that uh, I think needs to be overcome. That is definitely something that needs to be talked about. You need to be able to talk about it.
0: That's right. But, you know, and the other thing is if, if we're... If we are gonna, you know, sit down and talk about it, if we're gonna follow the steps that we've outlined here in our in our podcast notes, then doing that, even when the problem becomes too much money, I think if we follow similar steps here, I think we'd be in a pretty good situation. Right. Either way. All right. So it's definitely a sensitive topic. Um, you know, it's because uh, obviously you're two different people, right? You've had two different upbringings. So you have maybe different ideas on, you know, maybe what it is that you want and maybe what it is that you need. And so what I thought when you get married, you become one and you think <laughs> exactly the
1: same and you never, ever argue ever again. And you live happily ever
0: after. Hypothetically. <laughs> <laughs> no But I mean, that's really where it comes from. Right. There's a disagreement here. Um, at the core fundamental disagreement on certain things maybe it's
1: fundamental ways of thinking right because like you said you're two different people and you're coming together and you look at money in different ways because of your upbringing because of different experiences so you're not always going to agree on what on how to handle
0: it on what's important right and if you don't address them uh it's gonna bubble up until at one point it pops you know and Usually, that ends up with divorce. The big D. The big... No, you can't say that.
1: <laughs> well, sure. It's a country song. i tell you. There's a country song for it everything. a country yeah. song for everything. It I'm just going through different. the big D. I don't mean Dallas. <laughs> anyway. Well, it's the number one reason, <laughs> right? Money money
0: problems are the number one reason for divorce.
1: Money problems are the number one reason for divorce. So, if you probably want... Probably closely followed by infidelity.
0: Probably, Probably. Yeah. probably. Now, if you, so if you want to stay married, well, obviously be, you know loyal to your spouse <laughs> the monogamy might be don't, important don't cheat don't least. cheat don't right cheat. and then second Whether is Whether monogamy here or not don't
1: cheat right
0: right and then and then the the second thing is make sure that you you have an open line of communication when it comes to your finances it's something that even as uncomfortable as it might be you need to sit down and talk about it
1: definitely communication right? is so key
0: you know and I sit down with clients every year and every couple has their similarities and their differences, you know, and one of them is, you know, it, that that really boggles my mind, I guess, is when one of them assumes that the other has it all under control. Mm. Right. That's, you know, that's the ostrich effect. That's you're sticking your head in the sand and hoping that the other one's got your back. And that, uh, yeah, that makes sense. You know, and it's not that one spouse is better than the other. It's not that that spouse may be incapable or maybe they are incapable, but they may not want to let the other spouse down. Right. Yeah. And so when problems start occurring and they don't have a solution for that problem, not having a solution tends to compound the problem more. Right. Actually,
1: you know, it's funny that you bring this up Um, in my marriage. That's exactly what the situation, you know, is, is, you know, I'm the one that has all control and I'm the only one that sees the numbers. Right. Right. Or. Did see the numbers, um, and so Vanessa she didn't want to see it. She didn't know anything about it. She, you know, hey, do we have money? Yeah, you know. And even if we didn't have money,
0: it was hard for you to say no. It was hard for me to say no because I didn't want to let her down. Right, and that that but that can be a problem. So don't assume that your spouse has it all under control. Your spouse wants to make you happy, right. even if it's at the at the sacrifice of what could be your financial future
1: at the expense
0: at the expense of (laughs) your future. So, you know, it's, it's really important that not only the one spouse knows their numbers, but you both know your numbers. I mean, even if it, I understand that one spouse may not want to handle the bills or deal with them, but they should be aware of what the situation is. And you should be talking about this, if not, you know, regularly, at least once a month, you know, to be looking at your, at your finances and look, this is how we did last month. We spent a lot more money on, you know, eating out this month because it was our anniversary month or whatever than we did in prior months. Maybe we should adjust our budget for, you know, lift rides, or maybe we should adjust our budget for groceries, or, you know, maybe we should add more to our savings, whatever it is that you're, it's always, in but your it's budget. always something, right? It's always it's, something,
1: you know. Well, this month it was our anniversary, and this month it was, you know, the first kid's birthday, and this month it was the second kid's birthday, and this month it was the niece's birthday, and this month it was the nephew's birthday, and it was your mom's, and it, it's always something,
0: right? And and the thing is, uh, when you're looking at those budgets and the conflict occurs, normally the conflict occurs uh, when you're reactive. You're looking at things that have happened. Right. Mm -hmm. And the things that have happened, you might argue over. I can't believe you spent this. I can't believe you did that. I can't believe we went here. Right. Those are all reactive. But if you're having that open line of communication, you can plan ahead so that you don't have to you're not fighting anymore about the reactive. Now you're coming to a consensus about what you're going to do in the future. There's no surprises at that point. Right. Right. You're consciously together making a decision. You're setting the family goals and you're defining the path that you want to go forward.
1: Now, if you're still listening, here's a little teaser for towards the end of this episode. I'm going to talk about a structured way to get those conversations going and uh, get through them. It's going to be pretty cool.
0: Yeah, and and, and it's going to help you. And, and you know, the that structure is not just going to help you on your marriage communication. You can apply that to business and and your social interactions or your professional interactions as well. So, I mean, we use it professionally as well as we should be using it uh, personally. So, um, you know, one of the things that you want to make sure that you communicate to your spouse are uh, the bank accounts that you have, right? Mm -hmm. Now, I understand some spouses, you know, sometimes, you know, you each work and you keep your bills completely separate. You have one joint account and you put all, you know, all the money that you need for that particular month into that joint account and the bills go out. I understand the idea for being separate. However, what if one of you passes away? Will the other know what accounts to look for? Mm -hmm. Not necessarily that they have access while you're around, but if something were to happen... You need to make sure that your other spouse has access to that information. That they you can, can add get them, that money, right? You can add them. You're as not the going to use it anymore, right? Right. You're not going to use it anymore, <laughs> or, or worse. Like, what if you have a pension? And it's going direct deposit to that account. You pass away, and now your spouse can't pay the mortgage or can't get bills, you know, bills paid or can't, you know, get groceries after you pass away because you didn't tell her about this. The right. account where it was going into. So having that communication is absolutely important. You should at least know where they're banking, and you should. At least be a beneficiary beneficiary on the account.
1: So one thing that you talked about uh, before the podcast here, uh, you said, "Well, what if I have a an account that my spouse doesn't know about?"
0: Right, the secret account. The secret bum, bum, account. Boom. You know, and, and there's there's something to be said about that secret account. Like, um, for you know, for our marriage, there's a bunch of accounts that the wife doesn't know about. But well, I can't say doesn't know about. She knows about. She just doesn't really pay attention to you know if you were opened up my Wells Fargo online there's like 12 accounts in there right because of the different businesses because right. of the different holdings you know three of them are right are personally mine mm-hmm. right other than that or actually two of them are personally mine the other ones are not they're all business related right. so you know and then i have another account at a credit union and that's where where I told you where I deposit twenty five percent of every check mm-hmm. plus so this is where I put our pay ourselves first money. So it just gets dumped into that account. Now twenty five percent of every check plus pay what? yourself first. Oh money? yeah. So
1: all in all you're at about thirty five percent?
0: Well it's twenty five percent, assuming that's just when I get checks. Oh. So that doesn't oh, happen every the time. Paper checks. The paper okay. check, yeah.
1: Paper checks. Okay, I understand that. So,
0: you know, we the Rose and I had a, a chat you know not too long ago and we sat down and you know every once in a while she really wants to know about the numbers and we do a little dig deep type thing and she gets her her mind wrapped around how money flows in our particular household because mm-hmm. money comes from different places you know in multiple streams multiple of multiple streams of income and so when i pay for things it's not always from our personal earnings or w-2 earnings it might be from business a or business b or business c right you know and and so it's uh, for me it's easy to make that distinction because I do it all day long but for her it's not so easy so having that two-way communication is definitely something we we maintain uh, on a regular basis so that she's aware and she and she might not you know log in and check things and do that sort of stuff but she's aware of what's going on in case something were to ever happen you know uh another thing is to uh to talk i'm I'm sorry i just
1: want to stop you really quick there did you like write down and make a list of all the different accounts that you have that are personally yours so that if something were to happen to you she she knows knows exactly where to go yep to you know Funds. okay good And,
0: and then there was also a balance at the time so the balances might change But at least she's got a general idea of what's sitting in those accounts. Right. You know, and and that way, you know, she has a place to search for.
1: Makes sense. And on each of those accounts at that bank, whether she is a joint account holder or not, she is at least listed as a beneficiary so that if something happens, she can take over. She can take over or they'll just contact her to give her that money.
0: I was thinking about leaving it like a pirate map giving her the old Goonies feel, right? So when I pass away, she has to go oh, through. She, like, would, she would love that. That's her favorite movie. She would love movie. that, but she'd never solve, this, not, never solve the puzzle. I'd probably have some cliche she's never heard of <laughs> from some movie she's never seen. She'd never be able to solve the puzzle. So, I mean, the Goonies hey. did it because they had a bunch of them together, you know? Right, right. And, and Goonies never die, so.
1: Goonies never die. Well, she'd just get her little Goonies to help her out. That's
0: true. That might help. That might yeah. help. All right. So, <laughs> so another thing we do, uh, we need to make sure, is we talk often about... Uh, are common goals, right? Always go back to a common goal. What's the goal? What's the next thing? Are we going to buy a house? Are we going to buy an investment property? Are we going to buy a car? Is this money going to retirement? What's the ultimate goal? And as long as you ha- you're you both clear on the ultimate goal, then the actions you take on a month-to-month basis, they make sense, right? right? And, and, you know, one of the things that's important to her is making sure that we have discretionary money, Right. So mm-hmm. even though she might make, you know, a couple, you know, four five, six thousand dollars a month from teaching, she only gets an allowance of like three hundred bucks a month. Same as me in cash, because we limit what we actually have cash on us. Right. And we try to live below our means so that we can take that other money and invest it as fast as we can and grow the asset column as fast as we can. So, so that discretionary
1: $300, what does that go to?
0: She can do whatever she wants with it. And that's the thing is is you need to have some of that privacy built into your relationship. I don't know what she spends that $300 on.
1: What do you spend the $300 on? I eat it mostly.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so this is your, you know, I don't want to take a... Uh,
0: I don't want to make my lunch. I don't want to make my lunch. So I want to go, go buy go shoes. Jr., I okay? want to go, you know... I don't know. Go to happy hour with other teachers. Whatever it is, it's my money for that.
1: That's your three hundred dollars a month in in spending money. spending money. So
0: you know and that's that's how we that's how we make sure we're we have that little bit of if I want to do something I can do it. Right. If I want to spend whatever I want to spend whatever. So you know it's it's but we've communicated that, and lately we're getting to the point where she's like, well, I think I'm gonna need a little more spending money. And I'm kind of feeling the same way, so maybe we'll bump it up to 400 here soon a piece, 100 dollars a week. but mm-hmm. it's not going to be something super extraordinary, and we'll agree to it at that time, and we'll see where the adjustment comes from, and we'll go from there. This is kind of a personal
1: question for you and your budget, but is there a separate allotment for if you guys go out and eat together with the kids?
0: Yeah, we have the envelope system. so we have uh, grocery money, mm-hmm. we have fun money, mm-hmm. and we have gas and I think those are the three that I take out for.
1: Yeah, I actually, I put them as, as uh, three Gs. So, gas, groceries,
0: going out. Yeah, there you go. See, and then the, that's about it. And, you know, honestly, we don't really, um, it, like, like if we go out to eat, sometimes it comes out of the grocery money, sometimes it comes out of the fun money. Mm-hmm. You know, it just depends. You know, sometimes when we go buy gifts for kids at for birthday parties, sometimes it comes out of the fun money, well usually it does. Sometimes... It comes out of the grocery money. And the objective is to stay within the budget for the end of the month. Right. And if you can you allocate. You have the cash. You have the cash. Stick to right. that cash budget. And if you can do that, you're you're definitely living within your means. And you have every, you know, all your money has been set aside for what it's intended to do. And so the kids see you doing this. The kids see us do it. So we actually make them, you know, this this goes into trying to teach them. Uh, The same strategy, right? We're trying to give them the idea of their own financial responsibility, their own financial literacy. And and I believe that you have to lead by example, because I believe more is caught than taught. That's a Dave Ramsey line, by the way, more is caught than taught. So um, in other words, your kids are going to see what you're doing and learn from that. More than when you tell them to do something.
1: And it's absolutely evidenced by your kids going out and selling slime at school. And just today you were having a conversation with Liam about uh, one of your students selling donuts at school. And they
0: see these things and they put these things to practice. They do. They, they absolutely do. Um, for them at home, they have chores and they get paid um, they get paid for their chores So there are certain chores that they have to do just because they live in the house and that's what you have to oh, do Oh man,
1: so they're trading time for money?
0: They are trading time kidding. for money, right? <laughs> so they, they, But they, they do, have to do the chores They though. have to do the chores Some of them are not paid chores They're just, you live here, you're part of the team and that's your responsibility But some of them are paid chores And so the paid chores, they earn extra money. But when they get paid at the end of the week, some of the money goes into the spend envelope, some of the money goes into the save envelope, and some of the money goes into the give envelope. And they have to do it every single time. So So they're getting in the habit.
1: The Rachel Cruz.
0: Right, and yeah, it's it's from Rachel Cruz, and basically it's them getting in the habit of separating their money, right, and Mm -hmm. only spending this portion. Right. And that's it's you know, again, it's a habit that you're building on a daily basis a little bit at a time. Again, uh, personal question. The kids
1: savings money. Is it a uh, 10 percent pay yourself first? It's going to go away for a long time or are they uh, saving for something that they want
0: right now? It's saving for a larger. It's a delayed gratification strategy. Mm -hmm. So it's not uh, it's not a long term investment strategy.
1: So it's so that they can go buy a video game or something
0: that's of higher dollar value. Right. Yeah. So they're going to put now they can put more of their spend money into the into the save envelope, too. And they've done that in the past. And they have to get there a lot faster. But the idea is to teach them this is a big ticket item. You need to put away money for that. In other words, you can't buy it impulsively right now. Right, you have to work towards it and get it in the future. But
1: they're so excited when they're like, "Oh, I have my uh, fun money. I have, I have my save money. I get to go to Walmart and buy a bunch of toys." And but it's their money. And they're so, but they're so excited when they when they've actually when they've achieved it. Achieved it. Yeah, right, they're right. so proud of themselves. Like you're, you're doing a great job. I think of you know teaching them the value of that doll. I hope so. Way, so. I hope
0: so. And you know, it, and it's it is. You know that delayed gratification thing is is something that they lose today. It's so quick that they get responses for everything. You know, I want a new video, click. I want a new game, click. I want a <laughs> new, you know, everything is so quick in the world that we live in today. Right. That delayed gratification is is a skill that needs to be embedded in them early. Yep. I think. Anyways. That makes
1: makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. I'm sure you communicated that with Rosa. And yeah. you guys had that conversation and continue to have that conversation? We definitely do. Going back to that communication is all.
0: Yeah, no well, I mean, speaking of communication, how about taking financial care of, you know, extended family? So having
1: that conversation.
0: That's a tough one because, you know, when it's your part of the extended family, it's much easier than when it's their part of the extended family. <laughs> you know? And it works, but it works both ways, right? And so, you know, having to take care of of siblings or nieces and nephews or, you know, eventually our parents are going to get to the point where they're going to need somebody to take care of them. You know, I already Facts know life, yeah, I already old, know right? that I am going to be the, the one who ends up doing most of that for both sides. Right. And so understanding that and, and taking that into account and, you know, being able to determine, OK, well, what's the extent that I'm willing to do or that we're willing to do or how far are we willing to go, you know, to cover these types of things? You know, I don't know, but some of it comes with, you know, making sure that family is educated in certain things ahead of time to curve that sort of thing. Right. Can you give an example? Absolutely. So um, my in-laws, my father-in-law is about to retire after 43 years with the school district. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, back in uh, probably, I want to say, 06, they seven. I convinced them to buy a rental property. Right. Out in Centro. Well, I didn't want them to do it out there. That's just where they ended up doing it. But the <laughs> idea was to buy a rental property. And the concept was simple. When you get ready to retire, you can cash out. And by then, you should be able to have either the mortgage being covered by the rent collected and or sell it, pay off the any mortgage that you have left over, and you know go into retirement with a house free and clear. And that's exactly what's going to happen right now. So they have a tenant in their rental. And it covers the entire cost of their both houses, their primary wow. residence and the rental property. Very nice. Now they're thinking they're going to sell it because they don't want the headache of having a rental anymore in retirement. So they're going to, you know, take the proceeds and, and pay off their existing mortgage and then go into retirement without, you know, a full, you know, pension from the school after 43 years. And on top of that, they have a house free and clear. So no mortgage. Nice. And so, th- so it's a good, you know, It's it it was something that I was thinking about back then, so that I wouldn't have to take care financially of this issue coming up now. And you know, it worked. It worked out. It could have. It could not have worked out. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, yeah. But at the same time now, that's one set of parents that I'm pretty sure I've secured.
1: Are there any general tax implications that? Anybody in a similar situation should be aware of somebody.
0: Yeah, of course. I mean, it it, it, again, talk to your tax person about your particular situation. But when you sell a property that you've had for a long time, you can incur capital gains tax, for example. Even though you've had it for what, seven, 12 years? As long as you have a gain, you will have a capital gain.
1: Unless you lived in it for those two years. Unless you
0: lived in it for two of the last five years, as your primary residence, then you might qualify for the exemption. But, I mean, this is one rental. If you sell any rental property after you've owned it for doesn't matter what time, you can still incur a capital gains tax as anyways. Okay. So, I mean, there's, you know, that in that situation. But it could be the same thing with, uh, let's say you have a stock portfolio and you cash that out. You, you, you've held the stock for longer than a year. You can still have a capital gains implication there, too. Long term capital gains. Long term capital you've gains. Hold, since you've held it for a year. Right. So so there's always, you know, there's always different things. I mean, maybe you had money in a Roth IRA versus a traditional IRA. So one of them the gains are tax free, the other one you're paying the tax you never paid the tax in the first place, you're paying it upon distribution. Mm-hmm. Same thing with some four oh one Ks when you put money in tax. It's, a, it's called a tax-deferred account, not a tax-free account. <laughs> right? Tax-deferred. So, so it's a tax-deferred account because you're paying the taxes later in life, not right now. So, yes, yeah, there's different types of, of tax implications for the different types of retirement strategies. So make sure you talk to a professional. And uh, if you have any questions on that, we have a network of professionals that you can talk to, by the way. So uh, send us a contact field uh, on our website, www.csfirst.com. Very nice plug. Thanks. I threw that in there off the top of my head. That was good. That was good. (laughs) All right. right, So back to this (laughs) extended family thing. All right. Back to this extended family thing. The other thing to to remember: um, money and family don't often mix, right? So if you are, if a family comes to you and asks you for a loan, and you decide you want to give that to them, just take into consideration that what you're doing is may not be a loan. It may be a gift. Because if you think of it as a loan and that person never pays you back, um, how much does it really cost to get that person out of your life? Because that's essentially what's going to happen. You right. let them borrow 500 bucks, and then they can't pay it back and they're never really going to want to talk to you because they're ashamed. Or you might not want to talk to them because they owe you money. Right. And is that $500 worth losing that relationship with that individual or that part of your family? Now, you know? if you want to get that person out of your life, by all means, give them that <laughs> loan. <laughs> right? And, you know, but understand what you're doing with it, right? If you do want that person in, in your life, um, consider it a gift. And if you get it back, great. Right. If, if you don't, there's no hard feelings here and you maintain the relationship.
1: It's just a different way of looking at it, you know, to make sure that you're not expecting something. Well, I guess you're expecting the worst and hoping for the best yes
0: yeah yeah it's it's your responsibility right your ability to respond you're helping out this family member and you can't absolutely 100 percent guarantee that they're gonna be in a better situation to pay you back they need the money because they're hurting right? right if they went to any bank no bank would give them the money because they have no means to pay it back so understand that that that's the situation and you know, think of it as a gift. It's better for your own personal mindset. You know, you'll feel better about it. You're helping out an individual, and if they do get back on their feet and pay you back, even better. Even better. You know, and
1: you're not sitting there angry and frustrated and holding a grudge about this money that you lo- loaned to them, right? Quote unquote loaned yeah, to them. You
0: quote unquote lent them. Now that's when somebody's hurting, right? What about the other side? What happens when somebody in the family actually is successful and they're stepping out of you know they're taking it to the next level they're no longer at the lower level of the income stream now they're a little bit higher right
1: oh is this the part where we
0: get to play crabs in the bucket is this part where we get to play crabs in the bucket you know and and this is definitely i feel like this is very cultural in sense Mm -hmm. right because you know we're, we're supposed to be able you know at least in in our culture anyways mexicans we're we're bringing each other up together right and right. if one person is ex, is excelling, um, they might get that different feel from, from everybody else. And, and But it, understand that it works both ways, right? So you may think that the family is not accepting your success at first, but that could be just a feeling that you're projecting, right? It could work both ways. You might be projecting something like where you think they don't accept you. Mm-hmm. And so when things happen in your in your family that, you know, you're like, see, I knew it. I knew you were jealous or I knew you didn't accept it. Perception right? is reality. Perception right? is reality. How you perceive things could be, you know, it's very true. Some people might be haters and hating on you. That's not, you know, out of the realm of possibility. But, you know, understand that oftentimes these feelings that you might get are really just misinterpreted deflections of emotion right maybe it's like hey you know you're doing well and you're like hey i want to go out to dinner at this place in downtown um come on let's all go out and maybe the people who you're inviting don't really have the means to do that but they don't you know they don't really want to let you down and they feel bad for not you know being able to do those sort of things and yes sir i'll have a side salad
1: and what would you like that on the side of? Why don't you put it right here next, next to, to my, my water? water. <laughs> <laughs> right And, and you friends,
0: know, it's from friends, yeah. And so you know they feel bad for not being able to do the similar things, and so they tell you no, and you know you're you're adamant about you know bringing them along and they're adamant about not going and now you have this you know misinterpreted deflection here going on, you know. You start thinking, why don't they want to hang out with me? They must be jealous of me. And The other ones are thinking, like, why do they want to push me? Don't they know, you know, I'm struggling? You right. know, and it's it's a it's an issue that you end up having within family. And it's, it you know just keep the lines of communication open. You know, make sure that you're the beacon to help encourage them if they ever have questions or need help. But understand that their path to success is not necessarily your path to success. Don't preach at people. Right? right. Be a beacon. Open lines like of communication. Like we're preaching at
1: people on the podcast. Yeah, exactly. Do
0: as I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, just be open to the lines of communication. People are going to come and ask you different questions about different things, and just be open. And you, you'll, you'll realize that you know, if you're willing to help, people are willing to receive help. Right. It's just they're going to come at their own time and their own comfort levels. You know. So, uh, which brings me to the next thing, which is. You know, people who are successful, in my opinion, uh, should help other people, right? And I've had this discussion with the old man, by the way, because we talk about you know taxes and and uh, social um, what classes, do they call social classes, and um, how the rich should pay their fair share and this sort of thing. And mm-hmm. and because I have a conflicted issue here, I don't like the fact that someone is is telling me how much they should take away from me. And then they get to decide where it goes, right? Yeah, I totally... I But by the same token, I feel that once you've reached the level of success, it is your moral obligation to give back to the community, right? Right To help those who need help, to give the opportunity to those who need the opportunity. I just don't like being told what I'm supposed to do, you know? And that's, that's where the, the, the dilemma happens.
1: Yeah, no, I, know? I totally get that. I mean, does... Jeff Bezos really need enough money to purchase the entire city of Seattle. No. no. Does he really need all of that? But should the government take away, you know, everything that he has, maybe 90% of what he has and give it to all the rest of us? No. No, right. The government shouldn't have that power either. so that's basically what you're saying. That's is, exactly
0: what I'm saying. You know, yeah.
1: Jeff Bezos, maybe he doesn't need to have all that, but he doesn't he also doesn't need Uncle Sam saying, well, you're only allowed to have you know a maximum of 15 billion
0: right, right right it's just it's just not Whatever. right on either aspect of it. And you have to give the rest of it away. It's like a the other day I was at at the grocery store and I was in line, and the person in front of me was using an EBT card to pay, right? And and I was looking at their stuff they're buying, and they have like candy and soda and donuts and all these mm-hmm. things that are not healthy for them, but they can get on the EBT card, right? And I, and and I'm and I remember thinking to myself like, that shouldn't be allowed. They shouldn't be able to do that. <laughs> but I catch myself. Right? And I'm like, okay, but I'm telling them what to do with the resources they have. Mm-hmm. And and I'm the one getting upset. But by the same token, I would do the same thing the other way if somebody's telling me, "Oh, now you have now that you make, you know, so much money, we're going to take all this away and give it to everybody else." Like yeah. it's the same thing, right? I can't get mad or upset at the person doing that when I get mad at the person
1: doing it to me. So, a couple of things I want to say. First of all, uh, you know, what you were just describing, that's definitely some uh, class warfare type of language that we could have a whole other conversation on. Oh, for on. sure, for sure. Uh, we won't get into it here, but that's, yeah. you know, basically exactly what, what we're talking about is, is that that's kind of a class warfare thing. Uh, but secondly, you know, Forrest Gump had this great line, there's only so much money that a man needs. Right. And everything else he should just give away. So while I'm over here talking about Jeff Bezos doesn't need to have enough money to purchase all of Seattle and he should. I mean, I kind of think that way, too. But I would not be okay with Uncle Sam saying, hey, we're going to force you to do this. All right.
0: 50 percent of your income goes away. Most 90 percent. If you took
1: away 90 percent of his income, he'd still be
0: fine. He'd still be very rich. Right. He'd still be a but, but that's the point is is I don't think it's – you know, I have a hard time with, you know, the whole idea of the fair share. Not so much because of the fair share, but because now who's deciding where it goes? And I right. don't really like the concept. I, I really feel like you need to be a giver. When you've reached a certain point of success, like Forrest Gump, right, you give more back. And I don't care if it's you're giving – even if you don't have money to give, right? You can still give of your time. You can give of your experience. You can give of your abilities. All these different things that you can give. And if you do have the means to give, right, maybe you don't go out and start a nonprofit charity, but maybe you do. Maybe you give to church. Maybe you give to charities. Maybe you give back to your local little league or your local high school.
1: How about LeBron James and his, uh, what did they call the school? Oh, I can't think of the name. Uh... I didn't even know he did something like that. You didn't hear about no. it? Oh, he started his own school, um, and basically every kid gets the uniform, every kid gets uh, transportation, every kid gets lunch, um, and to top it all off, every child that graduates
0: guaranteed college tuition. See, that's, again, his success level, he doesn't need all the money he's got anymore. Right. But who is anybody else to say... You have to do this and this and that. So I think I think. So Jeff Bezos, this is a challenge to you. I'm just saying. I'm sure he donates more oh, money than most people make in a lifetime.
1: I'm sure he does too. So but I want to I want to hear about it. I want to I want to see Jeff Bezos.
0: Here's here's the I, issue. I'm just challenging him. That's true. That's true. But I'm here's challenging. The I, I can't tell. There's him what a to lot do. of people who are are huge givers that don't want the credit. That's true too. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right. And again, who are we to force them to do that? I'm just saying that at a certain point you should be giving back. All right. So, you know, those are the different, you know, topics that we talk about when it's, you know, talking about marriage and finance. So we got a couple of cliches here to help us uh, end the show and then we can talk about the uh, how to organize a structure here. So uh, one cliche, never go to bed angry. And I'll tell you, being married for, you know, being with the wife for 17 years now, there's times we go to bed angry. <laughs> I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> Try to never go to bed angry, right? Sometimes um,
1: you do. Uh, Ness and I, we had a thing. If we went to bed angry and it happened sometimes, yeah. we would still touch feet. Something, right? To you just know?
0: understand that. Right now, I'm mad at the situation right now. I don't want to talk to you right now. Right, right. But I still love you. But I still love you. Right, right. (laughs) So agree to disagree sometimes, right? Look, we're not going to get to 100% on the same page, but maybe we can, you know, take a second here, acknowledge what we both want in the end Mm -hmm. and reassess the situation and we'll revisit it at another time. Right. Right. It's okay to do that you don't have to have a solution for everything right now. You know, um, one of the strategies that I've learned uh, a long time ago, and I haven't actually done this in a long time, but, um, write down what you hear your spouse saying and how you think it makes them feel and why they want that path. So this is you writing down an assessment of what you hear your spouse saying, what, how you think they feel and why they want to go the path they do. Mm -hmm. Cause now you're getting your, you're getting out of your own shoes. You're trying to, Look into the the problem from their point of view. And then when you do reassess the the thing that you agreed to disagree about, start the next next meeting or the next uh, discussion by reading out loud what you guys thought of each other. Because what you hear them saying and what you think they feel Mm -hmm. may be completely different than what they were trying to put out. And hearing it might open a line of communication like, I, I didn't actually mean that. I didn't understand. I didn't think that... You know, that hurt you like that. I didn't, that's not what I wanted to tell you. When
1: I said that, that's not the way I meant for it to come out. Right. And those are the types of things that you want to clear up. So, So how do we even come back to that situation with empathy and compassion? So, how do
0: we even structure? Oh, this is the fun part.
1: So, this is the part that I teased with earlier. So, it's uh, a method that I heard from another podcast called Multi Amory. uh, And this method is called, or it's acronymed, RADAR, right? R-A-D-A-R. So step one is to review all of the events that have happened over the past month, right? Maybe some fights that have occurred, and you're just kind of rehashing just to make sure that you understand all the different things that have happened, and, and you know, you're kind of on the kind same Kind of a page. recap. Recap, right? right? So First of all, this radar, it should be scheduled uh, maybe if you're just getting started doing it um, every two weeks or maybe a month, right? Maybe a monthly thing. Uh, But once you've been doing it for a while, you start doing it maybe on a quarterly basis, okay? But probably quarterly is the furthest it should go so that you have this time to sit down and... uh, So
0: so that things don't get bubbled up over time. You want to address things as early as possible.
1: So when you're reviewing, uh, you know... Past events, you're looking at things that have happened between these two radar meetings. The next is you agree to the agenda. So there are certain topics uh, that you will always discuss. Okay, and you can kind of decide those on your own. Uh, Listen to that podcast that I mentioned and they talk more about it. Step three, D, discuss. You're going to talk about all those issues. And as you're going through those issues, you're going to get to step four, which is A for action points. So as you're discussing those issues, you're going to come up with action points or things that need to be done between this meeting and the next one. And then the last for one spouse or for, together
0: or whatever it is.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Maybe we're so much in debt right now and we want to get out of debt. And so by the next time that we meet, we want to have knocked it down by this amount.
0: Or maybe next time, uh, within the next quarter, we should have gone on three dates and set the dates that we were gonna go places. With. There you go, perfect. And then the last R is for reconnect with your partner. So make
1: sure that uh, you know everything that you guys have talked about. Uh, you reconnect and you rekindle, and you know you make sure that uh, you remind each other that you love each other, and you know you want to move forward as a team because ultimately that's all it's about
0: ultimately that's what it's about and i mean that radar is going to help you structure a conversation have a set agenda you know make your discussion get your action points and recap and you're going to consistently do that and the communication level is going to get better you're going to work as a team and then you're going to achieve your own financial success together as well as a more harmonious relationship because the communication lines are open. Right. right? And
1: by the way, um, Hernan mentioned earlier that uh, radar is not something that we necessarily have to use just in relationships. We do actually use this radar system. We changed the last R because we're not necessarily reconnecting. We're reviewing. Uh, but anyway, uh, it is a system that we use in our weekly and monthly uh, business meetings. Yep,
0: so it works. So, as always, make sure you guys follow us on Facebook or join the conversation at CS First on Facebook or go to our website www.csfirst.com or follow us on Twitter at Trades on the Road.
1: And don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Make sure you leave us a review and we thank you very much for listening. That's all I got. Peace. Bye bye. And I'm out. <laughs>